0: Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We're glad that you have chosen to join us for this week's sermon of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. God's Word is full of timeless truths that are relevant to our lives today. Here's this week's message. Uh, It's a beautiful day today. Welcome. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, This will be a short message. Um, I'm a woman of few words. So you'll be out a little early, probably, to um, enjoy the sunshine. Okay, our verse for this morning, it's a quickie. Um, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This reading comes from the book of Genesis. Um, Nobody knows exactly when that book was written, but everybody seems to agree that it was Moses that did write it. When this book was written, the Israelites were surrounded by many cultures, with many gods. The prevailing cultural belief was that the gods were capricious. They were willy-nilly out for how they wanted it to be. They didn't work with any rhyme or reason other than their own self-satisfaction. They believed that humans were created as slaves to the gods, that they would feed them serve them, clothe them, but they're very far below. In response, mankind sought to manipulate and placate the gods with all sorts of rituals and pouring water, drinking wine, jumping up and down, all sorts of gymnastic stuff. The Genesis narrative corrects these false beliefs in idols, and in mankind's identity as slaves to the gods. Genesis speaks of one all-powerful creator and sustainer of all of us. This one powerful God created nature, so, so far above nature is he. Genesis states that humans are God's created children, not his slaves. Far from it. Mankind, you, me, everyone in this church is the crowning glory of his creation. Just like the ancient Israelites, we're in a culture of many idols, false messages, false prophets, false beliefs. We hear many voices telling us who we are, what we should be doing. And as we grow, especially as children growing up, our identity is formed amid this huge chaotic mess of ads, of Facebook, of TikTok, of TV, of radio. Not so much radio anymore, but radio too. We get messages like, you the car you drive. The clothes make the man, right? Everybody knows that one, right? You are where you live. You are where you went to college. You are your job. You are what you eat. You are how much you weigh when you eat what you eat. (laughs) As a result of that, so many of us are living lives of quiet desperation, searching for meaning and identity. A gap has developed between who we believe ourselves to be and who God tells us that we are. This image up here, um, back in the day, I was an art student, so I understand a lot of things with pictures. This picture speaks very loudly to me about creation. It's Michelangelo painted it. You'd have to look up to see it for real, because it's on the ceiling at the Sistine Chapel. So it's a real neck bender to see this one, so... I love this screen because it's nice and flat. We don't have to strain. Here, Adam is represented not only as Adam, but I like to think of it as well as all of us. Let's look closely at the hands here. The hand on the left is Adam. The hand on the right is God's. Notice the difference. Adam's hand is kind of listless, kind of limp. Kind of just there. Weak. God's hand is purposeful. It's muscular. It's straining to reach between the ga- the gap, between the two of them. God's finger reaches almost to touch Adam's. Then it stops. Right? It just stops. he was waiting right he's waiting for adam to reach back right? through god's prevenient grace he will reach out to us it is our responsibility through that grace to reach back through the gap right the gap between them is a very important statement it's a call for adam to reach out and touch his creator to experience the love of his creator, to claim his identity as the beloved child of God that he is, and who each one of us are. The father, if you, the remainder of the painting, which I couldn't show because it had parts that probably shouldn't be shown in a church, but um, even though it's in a, painted in a church, <laughs> But you see, in the larger view, you see God coming like in a rush, in a wind, just rushing to Adam's hand, right? And then he stops, and he waits, right? I want to talk a little bit about what's in that gap. Until sin entered the world through the disobedience of the first couple, there was no gap. Right? God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the afternoon. Right? No gap. Reaching out, touching. Then we had the fall. Right? Not the season, but the sin. As a result, the gap here gets wider and more unable to move through it. The relationship with the father is fractured. We begin to doubt that God loves us. We begin to doubt that our true identity is indeed a beloved child of his. We begin to think, well, um, Susan over there, God loves her, I can tell. Susan's so good, but I'm so much worse than Susan. He couldn't love me, couldn't possibly. And how silly of us to think that we could do something so horrible, we could be so bad, that he didn't love us anymore, that we were not his children. It's who we were created to be. I like to think of the Bible as kind of a, a, mini, a mini-series, right? Like Netflix has mini-series now. That's all the big thing. The, season 1 is the Old Testament, right? Season 2 is the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we talk about imago Dei, which is just a fancy way of saying created in his image. And God sent to Moses the tablets with the Ten Commandments as a word picture of what his image was. But something went a little wrong. Those ten statements describing God, his nature and his expectations turned into 600 and some odd. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this, and if you do one of the bad things, then here's a remedy for that. Two, And what ended up happening is that gap got filled with all kinds of, I did a bad thing, now I have to do this other good thing and pay it back and fix it up. And this, right, this sort of quid pro quo. Right? God's going to love me if I don't touch the leper, but if I touch the leper, then I'm unclean. He's not going to love me till I go take one of those baths and do a... Um, You know, get a pigeon, sacrifice, all that sort of thing. And that's what Luther kind of came to straighten that out, right? We're saved by faith, not by works. Right? We can't do enough. We can't do enough. And why would we want to do enough? It's already there. We're already there. He loves us as much on our worst day as he does on our best day. It's not something we can change. God is unchangeable. So now, in the New Testament, so now we're in season two in the New Testament, and God sort of realized, I think, you know, they read the script, they did what it said, but something's got a little lost in the translation. And so he sent us an image, a real image, a living image, his son, someone we could watch, talk to, interact with, we could follow. Almost like a movie. You know? The early Christians were, were in the movie. We're reading the movie now. Right? This relates really well to um, one of our verses today that we read. Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father the image, imago Dei, who we are in his image. How can you say, show me the Father? When we do as Jesus showed us to do, the gap between us and the Godhead is closed. The footsteps of Jesus lead us back to our Father's love and our identity as his beloved children. His precious blood atones for all our sins. It's finished. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers them no more. The cross stands in the gap. Right? The cross stands in the gap. The image of the cross, imago Dei, who we are is at the foot of that cross. When built upon Jesus Christ, our identity is on solid ground. We were just singing that. Our lives work is clearly laid out for us. So what exactly did Jesus do? He showed us what what the life of a child of God looks like. Obedience is the turning of one's life over to the will of the Father, even when that means death on a cross. He healed lepers by touching them. He forgave an adulteress. He spoke to the Sumerian woman at the well. He healed on the Sabbath. He ate with Jews and Gentiles alike. He is the Word of God made flesh. God's perfect son, atoning for our sins and returning us to our true identity. If Jesus were to incarnate here today, where do you think he would be? What would he be up to? Well, I I thought about this, and uh, here's what I came up with. Maybe, just maybe, he'd be over at the IRS office, you know, the one over by the mall there, having lunch with the tax officials over there. Or maybe he'd be over at Anthem headquarters chatting with the CEOs about the importance of healing over profits. I also think he can be found in places like Back Bay. I don't know how aware y'all are, but there's a huge encampment there. There are a 100 of his children living there in tents, with no sanitation, nothing but tents. I think he'd be there. I think he'd be there among his unhoused, drug-addicted, poor, and suffering children. I think he'd be healing their wounds. I think he'd be feeding them. I think he would be washing their feet and loving them. I think he would be found in hospital wards, visiting and ministering to the sick and the dying. I think he'd be rocking the meth-addicted babies in the ICU. I think he'd be among the prostitutes, the drug dealers, the drug addicts, offering them forgiveness salvation, and hope. If he were preaching here, he, wouldn't, he would be sending us out among the afflicted to spread his loving compassion. He would tell us of the greatest of all commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He would be sending us out not only to spread his word, but to spread his love and compassion. The most important thing in the early church was persistent, persistent patience and faith in a walk true to Jesus. The early Christians were known as people who died. These crazy guys in the neighborhood that would rather die than let go of their God. The crazy people in the neighborhood who brought food to people's houses that they didn't know. Who bound the wounds of people they didn't know. Jew, Gentile alike. They were not so insular. The church spread through millions and millions of images of Christians ministering to those around them. Something that we experience, that we see, that we feel, that we taste, that we see, leaves an impression. That's how the church grew. What are these people doing? This is what we're supposed to be doing. That's our job. That's our job. This week, I invite you to embrace your identity as a beloved child of God, made in his image. You're made in his image, you may reflect his image. It's not that hard. No? It could be a phone call to somebody that you know isn't feeling well. It could be some cookies for Pastor Tim, who's not feeling so good. Maybe two packages of cookies for (laughs) Pastor Tim. One that has Pastor Tim's on it, it's kind of camouflaged, and then the other one's for everybody else. So make sure that he gets them. You know, it could be a card. It could be a phone call. It could be letting someone go in front of you in the grocery store. It could be... Saying God bless you to the person that gives you the wave with only one finger in traffic. That's, you know, it could be any of those things. I'd like you to meditate on what that means for you and how you, in your own unique way, can follow in the footsteps of Jesus by accepting his grace of forgiveness that has cleared the way. For loving him that created you, your neighbors, and yourself. Dare, I double dog dare you, to be who you really are. Beloved children of God. Sent here with a mission to spread his love and compassion. Wherever you are. Mm The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.